Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the ADOS Podcast. I'm your host, Christian McClary. It's Elijah Holiday, And you know what you're tuned into. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple. This is a really good podcast and everything that we're giving to the community are gems and jewels. So we, we love that you guys are supporting us. Continue to support. You know where to find us. Um, we're going to continue part two of our last week conversation. But I got something on my mind. I got something on my chest. And I am tired of the racial profiling here in Minnesota. Speak on it then, brother. Speak on it. Okay. And I must admit, nothing nothing happened to me. But it shouldn't take something to happen to me to be fed up with this situation. Because I think about people getting pulled over for petty stuff. Broken tail lights. Your lights weren't on after you pulled out of the parking lot. That did happen to me. But meantime, I see people, white people, with dogs on their lap as they drive. And you mean to tell me that my air freshener is more of a safety hazard than a live animal sitting on a lap of a driver? Now, which one is more unsafe? Wait, didn't we have an incident where a young brother was actually pulled over because he had an air freshener hanging from his mirror and it resulted in him being killed by the police yeah dante right i i thought that sounded familiar yeah okay. it, it sounds very okay. familiar right and a little sarcasm by the way yeah <laughs> and and that is what kills me because as as i'm driving and stuff texting is one thing people shouldn't be doing that but they do it anyway but for me to see like a live animal or a pet rather on somebody's lap as they're switching lanes, bumping their loud music, even listening to AirPods. It's really not fair to those of us who are following the street rules and being responsible and respectful. And it's also unfair that some of those incidents don't result in a ticket or a life loss. And that's what I'm feeling right now. And, you know, some people, though, may just say that you're just you're complaining because it's you that's being caught. Um, and you having the consequence and I think people will call that sour grapes, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you were able to do it and get away with it, it wouldn't be such a big deal. Are you saying you're upset that there's just no equity across the board when it comes to what's a distraction and what's not a distraction, who gets pulled over and get a ticket and who doesn't get pulled over and get a ticket? Or are you just much more frustrated at the fact that it seems to you that black people are the group that continues to be targeted by these frivolous types of car infractions? And I think they're minor. If a person has a taillight out, all right, maybe they don't have the funds to pay for it right now. Um, okay, that doesn't mean they have to get a ticket for that. And I think Minneapolis tried to do something about that a year ago or two years ago where they stopped ticketing people based off of uh, minor things on their vehicle. I don't know if that's still a policy in place, but I know city council was trying to push that. So again, how are you feeling about it? Is it just that there's no equity across the board or are you just really upset at these frivolous things altogether? I'm going to check D. Okay. All of the above. Okay. Because that... That is exactly what I'm talking about. Like the way that we even have to diversify and break these things up. Mm -hmm. That's the problem with me. Yeah. Because it's like, keep it consistent. I used to drive with air fresheners on, on my car all the time. Yeah. And then I took them down for a point in time. And then I was like, these need to go back up because it's not about the air freshener. It's about the color of my skin. So you said you've, you've never had an experience um, personally. I had so around 
oh, I was probably 2019, a couple years ago. Me and my buddy were over on Rice Street, and we're driving up Rice Street. We're about to go hit the highway, mm-hmm. and we get pulled over. So we're like, okay, what the heck's going on? He said he we pulled he pulled us over because my buddy did have an air freshener hanging from his mirror. Wow! But he also said that someone was just shooting over on Rice Street, and they just needed to check our identifications. And it was no big deal. We said, okay, you know, obviously it wasn't us shooting. We'll take the air freshener down. Um, here's our IDs. We gave them the IDs. We just complied. And I knew my rights, but I'm like, you know what? I, just, I know we wouldn't shoot nobody. So let me just get his men our IDs so he can just check it mm-hmm. and we can just be on our way. Checked our IDs, came back, said, take the air freshener down. And we went on about our day. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, was it their air freshener that got us pulled over? Or was there a fact that it was two black males in the car? Uh, one with dreads. My buddy has dreadlocks, long dreadlocks. He cut them, but he had long dreadlocks at the time. Um, no longer has them. Was that it? Was it the fact that there were two black males in the car, one had dreads, and we may have fit the description of someone who was just shooting over on Rice Street? It was that. Was that it? it you know, and ultimately, I, I didn't give too much thought to it, man, because those types of things have been happening to me for a long time, mm-hmm. especially since I got my driver's license. And I just, I can't dwell on those things like that anymore. But I feel your frustration when it comes to that. I, I truly do. Yeah. And let me be clear. Of course, you know, at some point of our, in our life as ADOS people, we all get racial profile, racially profiled. That's, that, that's happened. That's oppression right there. Um, I have been stopped by cops and I'm fortunate to still be here after all those encounters. But I would have to say, as I look back on it, um, I've had encounters with different types of police. Some of them been more pissed off and I'm just thinking in my head, like, dude, it ain't that serious. Like, I don't know what it is, but whatever you need me to do, I'm just going to comply because I just want to get out of here. One time I got stopped um, in Apple Valley on my way entering. I was going north and um, the cop stopped me and he was like, he was like, oh, your your lights aren't on. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I just pulled out the parking lot. I thought it was automatic. And he was like, okay, license and registration and all that. So I gave him my license and registration. And he came back. He was like, you look really nice today. I was like, thanks. And he was like, what do you do? I was like, oh, I'm just a community activist, you know, politician on the rise, this, that, and the third. And he was like, okay, cool. Have a nice day, Mr. McClear. Yeah, because he was like, were you on the news one time? I was like, yeah. And he was like, oh, okay. I think I saw you on the news before. I was like, okay, cool. As I drove away, I was like, he ain't see me on the news. <laughs> I mean, I have been on the news, but I was like, I don't think you were watching the type of news I was on. But, you know, I look at that situation because if I was wearing a hoodie or something regular in that moment, would that conversation have been different? Would he have asked me what I'm dressed for? Why do I look so nice today or something like that? Where am I headed? You know, no ticket, no nothing. It's just like, you have a nice day, Mr. McClary. And it was like, whoa, you know? And um, that that's a part of the racially profiling, that if we're dressed a certain way, we're going to get these certain perks that doesn't end in, um, you know, loss of life or tickets. And that's an aspect I feel like people don't really mention a lot or talk about when we talk about racial profiling, right? And what it actually means to be profiled. And I have a similar story. I was on 94. Mm-hmm. We were heading east. Actually, I think we were heading to this office. Uh, I was with my girlfriend at the time. We are heading to this office. And I was speeding. You know, mm-hmm. I was I was in the wrong. I was speeding. 
So the state trooper got behind me, pulled me over, whatever. Just asked me where I was going. I'm like, oh, we heading to the office. Got some business to handle, whatever. You know, I apologize. And I wasn't like going too crazy fast, but I was over the speed limit. And he's like, all right, you know, driver's license. You know, I handed in my girlfriend's insurance or whatever because I was driving her car. Came back. And he's a similar thing. Oh, you look very nice. You typically wear a suit. And I'm like, yeah, most days, mm-hmm. you know, I wear a suit when I'm on my way to the office to do work. Yeah. He's like, okay, all right. Um, you know, um, I'm not going to give you a ticket. Just going to give you a warning. Just slow down. Um, I get the turn of rust, but, you know, we have to be safe on the road. Literally, getting back my driver's license, was on my way. Mm-hmm. No ticket, no nothing. And I did tell her, I turned to her and I said, man, like, I, you know, I've had encounters with police officers before, and most of them have been positive. So maybe I am a little bit biased, but it's also I typically dress really nice. I'm very respectful. Um, I comply with what they (laughs) say. Um, And it's like, is that the reason why I always get to go home? Is that the reason why I very seldomly get tickets? Um, And is that a part of racially profiling? Because I fit what they want a black person to fit. I fit that positive description, mm-hmm. not having the dreads, not having the face tattoos. My car doesn't smell like marijuana. You know, um, what if all those things were the case and I still had a valid driver's license? Would I be harassed a little bit more? Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah, because they, they look at all that, the type of car you drive, how you dressed, even how you open up your mouth and say the first word. Because if they hear the slightest bit of slang in there, oh, that's going to be a completely different thing. Hmm. So when we talk about retraining police officers and repowering police and creating a police department that is reflective of the community, I mean, how much do we have to pay attention to those types, slight, those types of details, those slight details of don't just look at a person and make these judgments about them, right? We talk about this unbiased training that police officers needs to go through. I kind of question, can people truly be unbiased? And I'm going to be real. As someone who, who's, uh, I think I'm, I'm a very uh, open-minded person. I, I think I, I hold myself accountable. I'm very transparent. I am biased. I will admit that. I am biased. You're biased too. Yeah, everybody. Everyone's biased. So how do you go through an unbiased training with humans? It's not like we're computers. Mm-hmm. You can just change some some of the algorithms to make us not biased. I mean, you would almost have to rewire the entire human brain and our anatomy to make us not biased. <laughs> I think the biggest issue is when it becomes more explicit versus implicit. So when you're dealing with different types of biases, that's that's mm-hmm. a controversial piece because it's like, What's spoken and what's not spoken, what's thought to yourself and the comfort of your own home, of course. But once that information get out there, it can blow up and really raise some eyebrows to people who may look up to you or who may not. So that's kind of how I see it. But you're right. To, to me, I feel like everybody has racism in them. That's how I feel. I've been in some conversations at home with some family members, too, and they just, you know, it. and it's not like something. It's like, oh, you know, we about to go eat some Mexican food or something like that. It's like, just get food, you know. Let's go get this Mexican Coke. Let's just get Coke. You know what I mean? So is I think intent is, is and important. And when you say racism, you just mean that we're, we're more easily or I guess we're more prone to identify things using race versus just using just like you said, instead of going and saying, let's go get a Mexican Coke, we're just going to go get a Coca-Cola, Yeah, you know, and we're going to go have some Mexican food, you know, mm-hmm. um, or we're going to dine into the Mexican restaurant. Yeah. You know, are we just more prone as humans to put that racial aspect into everything that we see and that we do? 
I think it separates the type of food and it's I think people view it as being descriptive, but it's also I mean, in a way, it's kind of racist. Like you say, I'm just going to go get this food. But I don't think people understand it that way, you know, Hmm. and then again, we have like some really harsh, aggressive ER users out there versus A users out there. Mm -hmm. And you know what I'm talking about. An audience, you guys know what I'm talking about, too. But I'm saying when you have it and you have like a hard ending sound in something, you know where that person stands on the racist spectrum hmm. versus the A. Now you got me thinking. I don't know if I completely agree with you, but I do have a question for you. I need you to push back. Is, is racism um, something that varies in degree? Is there like a sliding scale for how racist a person is or how racist a situation is or how racist something is? It should be if there's not. I'm pretty sure it, there is because in I'm not saying this in like a derogatory way, but we have a gender unicorn where it breaks down the different genders and identities. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure whatever we have, we have that same type of tiering and stuff too, where you put it. So let's just say a tier one, strong ER. Right, you you races of the races. Yeah, yeah, you're like the ultimate <laughs> races. And then we might have like a tier two where it's like, oh, you know, I'm 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 kind of near that one. But I know that one is hard. I'm going to use it from time to time, but I'm not going to keep doing it. Right, I'm not going to wear it as a badge. Of honor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to wear it as a badge. And then I'm going to put it in a jokingly way. Because I, I met some people who are like hardcore racist and they think because they make a joke and stuff out of it. That it makes it more okay, right? Or you got a black friend, so you're not racist. I have a black friend. Well, my cousin's Those black. Conversations my kill brother's me. wife's cousin is black. <laughs> yeah, and that's my connection to uh, black people and ADOS people. And then what would be the third tier? Just like kind of like folks who are racist but just don't know it or don't know how to act on it or just ignorant to the fact that they're racist or how does that work? I'm interested to find that because I don't know. I've never thought about this before. I'm I'm just spitballing right now, freestyling. But I, what I would put in that third tier is I would say it's, it's people who, who know they're racist, but you wouldn't know they're racist because they're never going to come out public publicly and say it. Like they just have to get caught in a hidden something when they may say something. And every once in a while, they're going to slip up. And they're like, oh, you know, did I really just say that? And then those are the ones to call you after. Mm. And see, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. they're, they're not being intentional about it. It's just that ignorance, right? Oh, I can't believe I said that. And then go back and apologize about it, right? So, like, well, that's no, the la- no, is that be- the last degree of racism? Like, this, the ignorant part? No, it's still four and five tiers where our ADOS okay. people fall into. Hmm. Yeah, but back back to this three, though, really quickly, because this is the one about this group. They would say something and know what they meant by it, but they would call and check on you to make sure you're okay with, because it's like, I know what I said was wrong, but I want to make sure you don't hate me for what I said was wrong. And this is my way of keeping the power and control over how I operate. Cause I had people apologize to me for things I like looked over, you know? And it was like, and just how I respond to you. It was like, you know, I accidentally called you boy. I was like, okay. You know, and then I get a phone call like, oh, you know, how I, I didn't mean to make you feel that way and all that. And I was like, I think you feel that way, which is why you um hmm. came at me like that. So would you rather them just say what they had to say and then just to move on just like you moved on? Well, I think for me, I wasn't even thinking about it. 
But this whole accountability hmm. thing, what I've been doing lately was, and and my fiance could, she could attest to this. And because uh, sometimes I do forget things. That's a human thing. We forget things sometimes. So I say, she was like, oh, you know, you said you're going to take out the trash. I was like, oh, I did? All right. If I said it, I'm going to do it. You know, you said I'm going to take out the dishes. I said I'm going to do it. So I think that accountability needs to happen. It was like, yeah, I said this to you and I didn't mean it this way versus, oh, I'm so sorry that I that I came at you like this. And because I'm like, I wasn't even thinking about that. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't I wasn't listening to you. But where was your head really at when you were saying this to me? Hmm. Because if I didn't take it that way and you took it that way, hmm. you're trying to cover your own basis there. And why didn't you feel that same level of remorse or or um, being apologetic or whatever before you said those things? Like why? Yeah, because you could have prevented yourself from saying those things, right? Hmm. And then tier four, I I don't know what we're going to tier, but I think this is where the PLC will start to come. For example, you know, let's go get some Italian food. Let's go get some Mexican food. Let's go get some of this. You know. Um, how is, that, how is that racist though? I, I I like to have different. I like to dine at different cuisine, dine in and experience different cuisines. Like, how is that racist? Me saying Christian, did you let's just, meet up at the Mexican spot and get some tacos? Did how is that? Realize racist? how you just worded that? How is that racist though? No, it's it's not. But what I'm saying is the way you just worded it. How did I you word put it? Put a label on it. It's like I'm gonna go experience these different cuisines. Yeah. You see how you said it like that? Yeah. You didn't put a label on it. So the fact that I said, oh, I'm about to go meet up with my homie at the taco spot and get some tacos, you selling that, telling me that's racist? Tacos are a type of food. That's not racist. Now, when you put Mexican, Italian. So, like okay. That. So what if I said I'm about to meet up with my homie at this Mexican taco truck and get some Mexican tacos? Yeah. That's racist? Too many Mexicans in one sentence. I'm messing with you. I'm, I'm, <laughs> we're having a good time. But um, no, for, for real, for real, though, um, the, the main point of that is, is it's not perceived as that. Mm-hmm. But in a way, it could be, you know, viewed as that, especially to people who are like, well, I'm a Mexican person. It's just food to me. It's not Mexican food. It's just food. Mm. See what I'm getting at? The same thing with watermelon and fried chicken. I, I hear you. I hear you. But I still I say need to push if, if, if I'm if I'm literally like feeling like having some cassava leaf or something right there, right, which is traditional um, African food, right? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't like it's Liberian food. I wouldn't say, I guess Nigerians make cassava leaf too and stuff. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I'm gonna go have some cassava leaf, right? I would say I'm gonna go have some African food. Yeah, is that racist in a way? Yeah, Africans just say I'm just gonna go eat. <laughs> I'm just gonna go. Oh have some food. man, see, I got you thinking. But <laughs> and what's the fifth tier? That was the fourth you gave. Yeah, so so the fifth tier is just things you would just never know. Like so, there could there could be somebody who 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 knows, and I think this is where that politically correctness Mm -hmm. comes in because they're sharp. You know, like they they could disguise their different forms. You know, and I think that's uh, because everybody has it. So it's like they have it. They're aware that they have it, but they know how to navigate through it to make it seem like it's not. A harsh ER or an A. You know what I mean? So that's uh, that's how I would break down. How would hmm. you break it down? Uh, how would I break down racism? Yeah. You know, can I be honest with you? That's why we're here. Uh, racism is something I really don't like think about like in, in the terms of like people. Mm-hmm. Like people being racist against me. I'll just be frank with you. I, I don't spend a majority of my time, really not a lot of time at all, 
thinking about how other people perceive me. Um, and I've not been called like confident, conceited, arrogant, all different types of fucking names. People come <laughs> up with me, right? Whatever. Um, but so it's like, I don't think about how other people perceive me. I just, I'm myself. I just, and that's part of the problem with like me running for office now too. Cause like, I'm too honest. I had a forum like a couple weeks ago and people told me like, bro, like you're brutally honest. Like you could have doubted down a little bit, but like, I don't know how to do that. I'm just myself. I show up as Elijah Norris holiday every day. Mm-hmm. So I don't really care what a white person thinks about me. I'll be honest with you. I don't care what a Mexican person thinks about me or what another black person thinks about me. I'm just Elijah. And that's kind of how I show up. So I don't think about racism and that lens of person against person, human against human. I think about racism from an institutional perspective, institutional aspect, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of times when I talk about racism, I talk about institutionalized racism and how there are systems put in place to really suppress and oppress people who look like you and I. Yep. So I so again, I don't really know how to have the conversation about a white person calling me the N-word. So I probably got more money than that person. I yep. probably have a higher educational attainment than that person. I probably have more things in my life of value than that person. Um, I have probably have a higher connection to God than that person. So who cares if you call me the N-word? Okay, that's not going to impact my day. It's not like I'm going to go in my, my room and cry because a white person called me the N-word, right? <laughs> I just, I don't operate that way. Mm-hmm. And as I said before on some previous other podcasts, I don't acknowledge white supremacy. I truly don't. Um, there's not one person on this planet that can tell me that they're superior to me. If you're not my creator, if you're not God, I, I honestly, I don't, me and my dad butted heads a lot growing up because he had this thing that I'm, I'm over you. And no, no, you're not. You're my father. You gave birth to me. I love and I respect you, but you're not superior to me. Yeah, no, you and have maybe that that's that, And maybe that's that arrogance though. Right. And I acknowledge that maybe that is some arrogance coming from me. Um, but I don't, I don't acknowledge anyone ever being superior to me. So I don't acknowledge white supremacy. Therefore, I don't acknowledge any individual white person having any superiority over me. I just don't. Yeah. And you know, the, the beautiful thing about that is like, that's how we should operate with a lot of different things, not just pertaining to race, not just pertaining to, um, white supremacy, but how we view currency. Hmm. Because do elaborate. Okay, yeah, and I'm getting there. <laughs> so I think uh, a lot of people are like, right now they're like, well, we're living to make money. And you and I both say that money is a vehicle, yep. right? Yep. Money becomes worthless if people don't spend it. Okay. And I go back to trading, Silk Road trade. You got some rice, I got some salt. Mm-hmm. You got some gold, I got some vibranium or something. Some silver, some silver, <laughs> some, some, some silver vibranium. It doesn't matter. Like, but if we had that trade, because that's that's really what we're doing. When you look at the stock market, they put currency into it. It's just trade. I mean, yeah. it's numbers. Yeah, you're, you know? you're trading money for shares of a company who's going to make more money. And in return, you're going to get more money when you t- trade in those those shares for that company that made more money. Right. Yeah. Now, for people who don't understand that and don't understand mm-hmm. how, you know, capitalism works. They are the people who feel the most disconnected, right? So then they're so reliant and reluctant on financial stability, which they don't realize that they have the power to control these corporations and these institutions. Hmm. When people talk about boycott, the problem with boycotting is it doesn't last too long. 
because people are like, okay, well, we need to do this. What if we had like lifelong boycotts for different companies? Not even lifelong. What if it's just like unwavering? I mean, back in the day, people like literally walked miles to go to work, refusing to ride the buses because the buses wouldn't allow black folks to sit where they wanted to. Yep. And immediately after months, you saw the the bus companies changed their policies. Why? Because they're losing thousands to millions of dollars because people weren't riding their buses anymore. But nowadays you have a protest, right? Or you have a boycott and it lasts for two days and it's Instagram boycott. I'm boycotting Gucci because they said this and this. And, and then, then five days the, the later, next, next day you in a photo shoot with a whole Gucci outfit on. <laughs> and y'all know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about these rappers. I'm talking about these athletes who do these fake protests I'm boycotting Gucci. I'm boycotting Versace. And a week later, y'all in Vogue magazine with a whole Versace outfit on. Mm -hmm. That's not a protest. That's not a boycott. You're just doing that for the, the social media clout. That you're going to get all those likes for that one or two days that you're doing this Instagram protest, Instagram boycott. Mm -hmm. Yep. Same thing with like Netflix and all these other places. Wait, but know? I don't want to get away from something. I love when you when you brought up we we're talking about racism mm -hmm. and then you talked about capitalism. And I can't let this escape. I can't let this get away from. Yeah, you. no, let's let's stay on because because a lot of the times people believe that when you have a capitalist society, you're you're fueling racism, mm -hmm. right? That capitalism doesn't exist without racism. And just think about put this into perspective. The murder of George Floyd. What do we see all these Fortune 500 companies doing? Oh, Black Lives Matter. They're yeah, increasing. I was going to say BLM they, for they, sure. BLM for sure. They're increasing uh, black presence in their ads. They're saying that they're going to hire more diverse people. They're putting money into black communities. Um, but all the while, what are they doing in the process of that still? Making more money. Making more money. Thank you. Making more money. So when people say to me, so, and I get into arguments all the time, because I do see myself, I, I call myself a, a semi-capitalist, uh, mm -hmm. a, a social capitalist. I believe that. You're a business like, owner. Yeah, so I, yeah, I, and I I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. And, and I believe that, I truly do believe at the, at, in my heart that mm -hmm. capitalism is a way for our people to free themselves. Uh, but it has to be capitalism done the right way with the social concept, social lens behind it, not selfish capitalism. Right. But capitalism in the in the sense that I'm going to make money. I'm going to teach my people how to make money and we're going to grow our own economically vibrant community. Right. Mm -hmm. So I got to elaborate on that because, people, oh, my God, you're a capitalist. But I'm going to ask you a question mm -hmm. and it's OK if you don't know the complete answer to it. Can capitalism exist alone without racism? Yes. Where have you seen an example of it? That's the problem. Because we haven't seen an example of it, we don't think that is possible. But it is. Have we seen a true example of capitalism? Well, we see examples of capitalism all over. Do we really, though? Yeah. Like laissez-faire capitalism or <sighs> government-controlled capitalism? Because uh, then that's not, not capitalism. Not as laissez, but uh, we, we talk off-air about the athletes. Okay. And we know how much athletes are getting paid. Yeah, but their owners are getting paid more, but that's neither here nor there. Okay. Yeah, owners <laughs> are getting paid more, but athletes are also in some of the other industries too. Productions, uh, management, endorsements, yep. right? So when I look at it that way, and we're talking about and we're talking about capitalism, I'm saying that because we don't have the examples of them saying, because I make this much money, this is how I reinvent it the will and restructure how people of color or black people, ADOS people view 
capitalism by putting it back into the community and help building some of these people who have their own experience, but help building them up and getting them into this light. Mm -hmm. That to me is them condoning the capitalism of saying, Hey, I'm a black athlete that works for this white owner and I'm going to play sports and invest in myself in the process. And we, not all athletes do this because I got to give, um, LeBron a little bit of credit because LeBron did invest in, um, Blaze Pizza. Or, yeah, I think it was Blaze Pizza or something like that. I think it was Blaze Pizza, one of those pizza companies. Can, can I, offer, I don't think that's a black owner, though. Can, can I offer a little bit of a pushback? And, of course, you're going to say yes. Um, no, you can't. <laughs> Here's my pushback. Me and my father was talking about this. Mm-hmm. Is it realistic for us to expect that once a black person or a person of color, I'm, we're talking about black, I'm going to say black, black mm-hmm. person, gets to a level of them being financially stable, is it realistic for us to have an expectation of them that they have to come back and save the community, to save all black folks? I mean, if you're making $50 million a year, is it realistic to think that that person has to give up a majority of their their funds, a majority of their assets to help uplift the community that probably, I'm going to be frank with you, probably hasn't done shit for them. I got to keep it real today. Um, I'm no longer living this this life where I'm gonna sugarcoat things. A lot of black people tear black people down. Yeah. So if you spent your whole life trying to become something and you were told by your own told by your own community that you're not gonna get there, is it realistic for us to expect that person to come back and give something to us? Realistically. When there's violence in our community that we give to ourselves, drugs being pushed in our communities that we sell to ourselves. Yeah, we got it from other people, but we sell it to ourselves. That's a conscious thought. Mm-hmm. We tear each other down every single day. He don't look this way. He don't talk this way. He don't dress this way. He doesn't follow this. Whatever this is. The societal shit that we put in place. Is it realistic to, for us to expect that this person going to get to this level and come back and save our community? When we ain't done none to promote that person. Now, truly, do you think we've done nothing to promote that person? In some cases, no. Some, some, cases, some no. cases actively tear that person down. Right, right. But what I'm thinking about is, I'm thinking about ticket sales. I'm thinking about social media presence. I'm thinking about people who are going into media, right? Who buying albums, bro? Who's, who's, who's coming to concerts and buying the, and buying the albums and buying the mixtapes? Let's you be real. You don't think people are streaming? Okay. Streaming, but they getting the they getting the least bit of their revenue off for stream sales. Who coming up and buying the tickets? Who buying all the promo gear? Who's actually supporting that person financially? We talk about a group of people. Mm-hmm. But no, there are communities out there that's doing it. Because when we think about, for example, if we think about a longevity of somebody's career, right? You cannot tell me that only the end. Well. In most cases, the industry is taking care of those people, but it's because of the fans, the fanatics. It's because of the people buying merch, promoting those people. Like, hey, did you hear this new mixtape? It was fire. It's little things like that that actually contributes to an artist or athlete or whatever the case may be. I agree with you, Christian, but I'm going to keep it a buck with you, bro. A lot of white people supporting a lot of these black artists. I'm going to keep it a thousand percent with you. When When it comes to buying these ticket sales... They're first in line. Well, when it comes business. to buying merchandise, they first in line. But but uh, my point is, bro, our own people be hesitant to spend money with us. You get a black business up and running, 
I guarantee you look around when you see some of these black businesses open, who you seeing in there? It ain't a majority black folks. Right. On a lower scale, you're right. For for a lower scale, for like startups, yes. But here's the problem. The problem is uh, for, for a lot of people in our community, they want to see the results. So if someone, they're like, okay, I used to watch him at the rec and now he in the NBA. Although he's not coming back here, I know that I'm still going to support this person because he's from here. Now, if you have somebody, Lil Carlton down the street, who's working on like this science business and chemistry and like, look, I'm going to create a cure for all these different illnesses and sicknesses that we have. Would you invest in me? $5 investment. They would say no. But if they had $5 to bet on a 2K game, <laughs> I'm saying that Bron would drop 30 or Curry would drop 30 or whatever the case may be, they're going to they're gonna go to that more so, because they know what they're going to get out of that. So in a way, it's targeted smart investing because they're like, I don't know the risk of this chemistry company. You don't know the risk of LeBron dropping 30. Exactly. But that's what I'm saying because we saw and witnessed them do it before. We have more, you know, we, we have more of, um, so the word I'm trying to, the word escaped me. It doesn't matter, but they just have, it's likely, it's more likely for them to actually get that return on their money. I want, I want the audience to know the significance of this conversation we're having right now, right? Because this is a real problem that we face in the black community, especially in the entrepreneur space, especially in the business space, when it comes to actually garnering support from our people. Mm -hmm. A lot of the times we don't get the support that we need from our people because they haven't seen us do it before. They haven't seen the results before. And I guarantee, I'm going to tell you this, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. I have friends, white friends. I have a lot of friends from all places. I tell you, I went to school in White Bear Lake. I went to uh, college in Winona. I have friends from all over the place. My white buddy was telling me he started a book business. You know, his dad gave him like $15,000, $20,000 or whatever. A small little loan. It wasn't nothing crazy, but, you know, Mm -hmm. gave him some money to start up his business. Never been into business before. Never been into business before. He had neighbors coming in, pitching in money to help him get this off the ground. Never been into business before. He had some of a, of a business plan, the marketing plan, but he's never done it before. And yet he had people behind him willing to support him. You take that same scenario and put it into someone like our community who has a solid business plan and marketing plan but never done it before, they won't get support. No. Why is that? Why can we go take a risk on something else? But not take a risk on our own people. Something else that's completely pointless and irrelevant to how we're going to feed our families. That's not going to give us an immediate return on our investment. No. Because I know black people. If we do successful here, we're going to continue to do success. And then we're going to make sure we give back to our community that supported us. But what I'm telling you right now is we got a lot of people that don't support us and say they do. Yeah. And I'm sick and tired of sugarcoating it. We don't support each other. Yeah. and the, You won't even share somebody post on a Facebook. And, and, and to that point, really quickly, Minnesota is one of the states that irritate me the most. Because this the Twin Cities the worst. have so much people here. We could literally run Minnesota. Like, guess we had on here. And guess we know that we haven't had that we're going to have. Like, that is what kills me. It's like that lack of trust within our own community. That lack of trust right there is going to deter people. And that lack of trust is also going to have people not want to collaborate and do other stuff. And and to this point really quickly, because I think about this all the time. I'm like, do we not know? And Elijah, you and I talked about this last week, actually, after the podcast. 
You want to know why white people are millionaires, billionaires, and super successful? And you may not even know it. There could be someone in your face right now who's just loaded and you don't know. Because collaboration and partnerships. Especially in Minnesota, we have the most millionaires per capita. I know that was a, that was the case a couple of years ago. I'm pretty sure that's still true. I haven't looked at the statistics lately. But yeah. I think in 2019, we had the most millionaires per capita. Right here in the state of Minnesota. And I drive past mansions all the time. We have some yeah. of the biggest Fortune 500 companies right here in Minnesota. Yep. Corporates. There's we a walk, lot of corporate offices. We walk past millionaires all day long. Yeah. Trust Target me. corporates in Minneapolis. All day long. General Mills, Cargill. I mean, we Wells Fargo. Of, we have some of the biggest companies right here right, in Minnesota. Right, right here in Minnesota. We walk past millionaires every day and don't know it. Yep. Yep. And, and, and to that point, this is what I'm saying. Because it's like, look, think about it this way. People could go to a movie, right? We'll we'll pay twenty dollars for a movie. We'll pay eleven dollars for some popcorn. Five, seven, eight dollars for a drink. And we go to the movies and we'll just watch the movie and we'll comment about the movie. But we're not thinking about how that movie's making their money. We got different popcorn, soda, and uh, candy vendors there. We got um, the people who directed the movies. We have, um, uh, you know, movies that movie cast. They have their own partnerships oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. within it. And then we got people to pull. You know, provide the space, and then we got people to provide the seats. You think one person did all of that? No. But why? No. Why in the state of Minnesota, every black person feel like they can do everything? Y'all not Superman. Y'all can't do it all. It's okay to share. It's okay to collaborate. It's okay to bring people in on your operation if they can add value to it. Yeah, you gonna scale a lot faster doing that versus thinking you could do it all by yourself. And you're not gonna get fatigued. <laughs> Like and and that's the thing because we're we're all over the place and we're scattered, we're gonna get tired easier versus like start identifying some individuals like okay well we worked together in the past on this I'm starting this business up let's do it together because I'm like those movie theater companies seat vendors candy vendors food vendors uh, movie screenwriters and consultants and all that they're all getting fed. So I think that's what we need to talk about because it's like, although we're in a black community and we're collaborating, we're, we could all get paid if, if, if it's about the money. And, and I love you brought that example up because my dad had the very same example. I, tell you, I talk business and I, all this with my dad all day long, um, two, three hour conversations sometimes a day, just about this very thing. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think I might bring him on a podcast as mm-hmm. a very successful entrepreneur. Let's do it. Um, but we were talking about this, man. Like, think about the black business here in the state of Minnesota, bro. Everyone's doing the same thing. No one understands the concept of diversifying, bro. Apparel and food. <laughs> right. A- Literally, that's it. Apparel and food. Uh, apparel and food. We don't look at the chemists. We don't look at the consultants. We don't look at um, real dentists, estate brokers, real estate and, agents, yeah. dentistries. I mean, come on, Health you guys. professionals. We're not looking at a lot of those things. And we have a lot of people here who have those tools, who are working on it. But the thing is, they don't get that support that they need from our community. You'd rather go to a white dentist than a black dentist. Because we never seen a black dentist do it before. <laughs> and you see how that ties and how that how that goes full circle? I'm going to go to because, a white real estate yeah. agent instead of a black real estate agent because i never seen a black real estate agent do it before. That's the mentality. I'm going to keep it a buck. That's the mentality. Because we never seen a black person do it before, we're not going to take a chance on them. Yeah, and that's crazy. You know, what, you know what's interesting? Some of my biggest supporters are not black people. Yeah. Some of my biggest supporters. I probably wouldn't be in this position right now to this day if it wasn't from my non-black friends. 
yeah. and, and colleagues. Yeah, I would say 85% was white for me, for sure. Like a good 85. When I moved here, it's actually gotten a little bit lower. So that's why it's like 85, 80 now. But back back on the East Coast, it was higher? Yeah, it was all white people on the East Coast. Supporting you. Yeah. And except, Chocolate except City. Except for probably one. And Chocolate City. Yeah. yeah. Except for two. I'm sorry. It's just two. But yeah, that's that's how it was. You know, they were lining up these opportunities and different things for me. And that's what I'm saying. Chocolate City, Chocolate City, beautiful black people. But the thing about D.C. is a lot of people out there are brilliant. They just don't know how to really establish their brilliance. That's why I had to get out of there because I didn't know. I was just moving. You know, I'm just moving out there. I didn't really understand business until I got here. Until I got that Midwestern culture embedded in me. It was like, okay, if you want to do this, you got to do this. Yeah, I learned, you learned the process. I learned the process. Yeah. And I think it's good because if I ever go back to D.C., I know who to identify and start working on partnerships with. Hell, I'm still doing that here. I have businesses too. And I'm talking to people on the East Coast that I've encountered and worked with before. Like, y'all could hop on this. We can do it in both Minnesota and Maryland and Washington, D.C., that's a district right there, and that is two states that we can grow a company. And it's as simple as, what, $150 filing fee? EINs are free. Employee identification numbers are free. So it's like for people who understand business, it's like make that $180 investment. And then be willing to collaborate, network with folks who can help you scale your business, who can add value, who and can get do a things bigger return on that investment, and do things than you your hundred and fifty dollars. There you go. But people are not saying that. I have one hundred and fifty dollars right now. I saw what Jordan could do. If I go cop these J's, people are gonna know what I could do. <laughs> if I go cop this, if I go cop this business, people don't know what I can do. If I start this business, and I think. Um, that's that's the problem. We saw what Jordan did. We saw what Jordan was. Everybody know who Jordan is. They don't know who Christian McClary is trying to start a dentist company or a restaurant or whatever the case may be. So it's, so what I'm getting out of this conversation, we talked about a lot today, mm -hmm. and and that's okay. But but what not what I'm getting out of this conversation is we need to be. And when I say we, ADOS people, I got to be specific. ADOS people, we need to be more comfortable. With going out and supporting each other, real support. It doesn't always have to be monetary. Volunteer your time, volunteer some time at a black business. We know plenty of business owners that would appreciate that. You can't give money, come give two or three hours of your time. If you have a specialization, if you are skilled in either a hard skill or a soft skill, offer that up to help get somebody's business off the ground and be comfortable with supporting ADOS businesses, even if they haven't done it before. That's okay. A lot of other groups haven't done it before and they might fail. That's okay too. I think a lot of times, man, we put too much pressure on black businesses, man. ADOS mm -hmm. businesses and ADOS entrepreneurs, where if you don't get it right the first time, you're never going to get that opportunity again. That's crazy to me, man. And it's not failure. It's growth. It's growth. It's growth. You it's didn't get it right this time. Pick yourself up. We're going to do it again. We're going to do it again better next time. We're going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. We failed this time. That's okay. We're going to learn from our failure and we're going to improve. That's how you grow. And, you know, we talk a lot about the Willie Lynch letter and the divide and stuff. And that is where a lot of our trust is based on. And we, we heard rumors that it's true. It's not true. It's whatever the case. We don't know what to believe. 
So we're just out here. You know what I mean? And when we think about it is we we have in order for us to to do what we want to do and be where we should be, because I'm not going to say where we want to be. It's where we should be. We got to be willing to take risks on collaboration with our own people and own vendors. We we just have to. Because it's like we could start our own Amazon, black. Our own black Amazon. And then we'll have a lot of white supporters who support us individually, more so than our ADOS people are. And that's where the revenue will come from. My thing is once we get to that point, and this is this is okay, so this is uh this may seem like a contradiction, but this is kind of why I don't want people to get to that point. Because when we get there, we're not gonna know how to act. Well, it was the same argument about reparations. I mean, my dad was talking about this. Like, what what's gonna happen when you give a bunch of black folks who's never had that type of money before reparations? You gonna have Negroes riding around here with twenty four inch rims and AK forty sevens in the trunk and pounds of weed. Yeah. I'm just gonna be I'm, Lamborghinis I'm, I'm, I'm and Hellcats and skate packs and call me what you want, whatever. Track hogs. That's and, the truth. Yeah. Because they never had money before. They ne- they don't know what to do with it once they have it. So once you just give it to them in a form of a reparations, is that going to be a further detriment to our community? It's Especially not, if you're going to teach us how to manage it? It's not sufficient enough. And that's sort of thing. And that, that's kind of what we saw with the stimulus. Here, take this I don't even want to talk about the stimulus. Yeah, we bro. even got to talk about the stimulus. That's, you got that people different- going to trips to Mexico, <laughs> Hawaii. <laughs> Never been there before. They blew the whole stimmy on the weekend trip in Mexico. Knowing they got bills. Hey, I'm about to go get some good exotic stuff too, you know? And that's what I'm saying. I and and this is why eat, I always eat, emphasize eat, priority. Eating seafood boils every day <laughs> off the stimmy. And, and, and scallops and stuff. Yeah, like we you got never it had like scallops before in your life. You get a stimmy, you want to eat scallops and lobster tail. Right. And that's not everybody. You know, it's that's not, not everybody. That's not everybody. But what I decided to do with mine was I I donated some of it. I saved some of it. And I realized that I have to live and stuff, too. So I remember you asked me about it on a show. I was like, that went right back into the government and the community because what? You know, I, I wasn't counting on it. I didn't even know. That, I didn't even know. I got a STEMI. I, I just didn't check. I didn't, yeah. Yeah. It was it, just there. And I'm, and I'm saying that's just a difference. That's a privilege, though. That's also a privilege. That is a privilege. Yeah. And you and I both agree we both have privilege. That's fine. Um, <laughs> but be- matter of fact, really quickly on that point, because we have that privilege, that doesn't make us less or more than our community. No. We have that, and we're trying to exercise it in a way in which everyone that we're talking to and doing work for could benefit. And I think that's the difference. So I wanted to say that really quickly, but yeah, you know, it's it's about how we prioritize. People priorities are messed up. I'm gonna go get this fifty dollars seafood platter. Or I'm gonna put this fifty dollars in my gas tank so I can get to work for the rest of the week. It's priorities, and and, and I love using my fiance and I as an example because when I wake up, when I get paid, the first thing I do is pay my bills. That's the first thing I do, because I'm like. If I don't take care of these things, make sure I have electric in my car, make sure I, I my bills are paid. I'm not all for enjoying money. Like mm-hmm. I, it, it really doesn't mean as much to me as a lot of people think. 
And I think it's 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 how. What's we the value. first thing she do when she wake up with her money? Oh, when yeah. it hit her account. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "I want dinner tonight." Mario, I love you. No comment. No, I mean, right now everything's going to the wedding. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me. I think, and and I think that's part of our different upbringings too, you know, because I grew up in the hood and I, I watched my parents mismanage money in a terrible way and struggle, get cars repossessed and evictions and stuff. So I swore to myself, I would never mm-hmm. put myself or my family mm-hmm. in a situation like that. Yeah. So in order for me to do that, the first thing I'm doing is taking care of these financial obligations. Paying your that, bills. Yeah. Your yeah. priority. And they're all I had control over too. Because I chose to live where I live. I chose to have the car that I have. I chose to have this type of phone company and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I take care of those obligations first, mm-hmm. priorities. And whatever's left over, that's what I prioritize. Oh, I have $100 left. Let me put that into a business. Mm-hmm. I got $50 left. Let me donate that to an organization. I have $75 left. Let me uh, put a couple groceries in the house, make sure we got something we can eat with or whatever. But it's like we we have to do more of that. And I and I hate that we have to plan so much. But if we don't plan so much, we're at square one every single month. And people get, man, the first of the month comes so quick. Like, oh, dang, man, I just paid rent. I got paid rent again. It's like, yes, you knew that for the last 11, 10, 15 months. Man, we, we halfway through the month already. Yeah, but the preparation again. Yeah, yeah. And the preparation is what we need, you know. So if you're out there listening and you're one of these people, it's not it's not a shot at you. Just like really think about how do I need to prioritize, especially if you don't have children. And but, that's one of my privileges, not having children but, but, right but, now. But you know what though, Christian, I talked to my dad about this and other folks as well. I have a lot of conversations about black empowerment and what black liberation means and what it looks like. We got to stop sugarcoating stuff to our people, bro. That's why I don't sugarcoat stuff on AI's podcast. I keep it a buck as I can. Mm-hmm. And I try to be respectful as possible, but I don't sugarcoat anything, bro. If we don't keep it real with our people, nobody else will. We're failing. Black folks, ADOS folks, we are failing. Period. Simple. I'm not going to sugarcoat this shit no more. We are failing. We're behind. We, we got people in our community that just don't seem to get it, that don't want to get right. And we got a lot of people who are fighting against these people and fighting against every other injustice that's out there against us. And you say it all the time, bro. We can't fight against every other mode of oppression, every other thing that's oppressing us and fight against our people. When are we going to get that through our heads? We can't fight two wars at once. It's impossible with the limited resources we already have. We are failing. And I want us to succeed. I want us to be prosperous. Mm Mm-hmm. But, man, to be honest with you, bro, that's looking less and less unlikely every single day. Yeah. You know, and... Um, and it's sad. And and I must admit, like, our our podcasts have been growing a lot. But there's still some people out there who are not supporting us the way that they could. Who have community clout. Who have individual clout. Who have, you know, their own things. And I don't want this to seem like a competition between us and the ADOS podcast versus everything else we can all eat together and that's what i would say on that because it's like people will look at us like yeah you know you got two black 25 year old brothers they got good head on their shoulders they come and they talk at us at a week and we listen they say a lot of good stuff they still won't share they still won't comment they still won't you know ask to be a part of the conversation or come you know and um it's like we i i get it i mean i i get it it's 
you haven't saw our, our body of work, but check our first two seasons and you'll see our body of work and you'll know what we stand for. And, and it's been the same consistent message, man. Black empowerment, black liberation, and also accountability in our community. I think that's what I'm trying to uh, hone in on more, a lot more moving forward is like, man, I know the power that we can have as a community. I know we can turn this gun violence around. I know that we can turn the economic deprivation around. We can fix the housing crisis in our community if we really wanted to. Mm -hmm. The most important thing is you have to say, I know that we can't do it alone. So people got to step up. That's leaders. That's people sitting on the couch. That's children. I'm holding everybody, elders, wisdom. I'm holding everybody accountable because it takes the village. It, it really takes the village. No one person is going to do it. And people be a fool if they think people are billionaires alone. No, absolutely not. <laughs> well, next episode, we're we going to have some community activists come on. I'm thinking maybe we could probably try to get two. I think we got enough space for two. Yeah, we got some space. Uh, you know, now that COVID-19 restrictions is, is loosened up a bit, I think it'll be nice to get a few other diverse voices in here and maybe have an authentic conversation about what it means to actually hold a community accountable. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be an excellent topic. Yep, um, yep. Thank you, Christian, for your insight and, and for breaking down a few things for us. I want to thank y'all for continuing to support the ADOS podcast. Please like us on our Facebook at the ADOS podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at the ADOS podcast. We're on Instagram, ADOS podcast. <laughs> and then we're also streaming on everywhere you get your podcasts at. Uh, so if you if you get your podcast on Apple Music, we're there. Spotify, we're there. Wherever you get your podcast, the ADOS podcast is there. We want to thank y'all for y'all support. We hope that y'all continue to interact with us. Please continue to share our content. And then feel free to message us, man. I want to get some messages from y'all. So uh, we'll be a lot more intentional about reaching out to people. Mm -hmm. But we want to get some uh, more perspectives and inputs on the things that we talk about on a daily basis. Uh, I want to thank you, Christian. Mm -hmm. um, and that's all I got. Yeah, and I'll just close it out by saying uh, peace, blessings. It's all love here. We love y'all. So peace, that's why. Peace, blessings, and love. That's, that's why we're at you.